Hello, and welcome back to My Blackest Transnationals Growing Up Immigrant. This is part two of the first edition of the conversation. A growing up immigrant conversation is going to be centered around the perspectives of five individuals, myself, your host included, where we share our experiences growing up in an immigrant household and what it has done to shape our views and perspectives and our transnational identities. If you have not heard the first part of this episode, I strongly suggest that you go back and listen to it wherever you find good podcast episode, wherever you found this episode. I am sure that part one is readily available for you to listen on any of your favorite podcast listening apps. All right, so we'll pick it off where we left off. We were having a conversation, specifically Dr. Suji was talking about her traveling experiences and how she was able to avoid the traumas of her upbringing as a first daughter by traveling and separating herself through her academic uh, experiences. And we'll pick it up from there as we get into more deeper, richer conversations focused on how the community is involved in the disciplining experiences for those of us growing up immigrant. So let's get back right into it. Enjoy. I think that whole idea, right, of just when it comes to like the 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 strictness of going out. Like I can tell y'all that I was so deprived as a teenager, and mm-hmm. like like Taya, sometimes I would have to finesse some things. But it was so hard because my like my mom was like on it and it was just very difficult. And you didn't want to get caught once because when you get caught, I, I mean, Alejandra, I want you to chime in. And, and Marilyn, too, like the whole idea of that community effect. Do you all want to know the worst thing that I and being the oldest son and, and we've talked about being that model citizen in the family. But do you all want to know the worst thing that I've ever done as a child? Could y'all guess what y'all think would be the worst thing? Ran away? No. Ran away. Went to band practice? No. No. Stole money from your mom's purse? No, never. Yeah. I mean, I've stolen. No. I mean, we've, we've, you know, once in a while, I've stolen meat from the cooking pot for sure. (gasps) But we've all done that. But like, (laughs) but, 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 um, the worst thing that I ever did was pierce my ears, y'all. Really? Yes, that was the worst thing. And when I tell you, that was freshman year of college at UIUC. Bro, I came home and you know, I had to finesse it, right? And I was brown skin. I had to get a little broomstick joint and and put it in between my ears so that no one can see it. And I was pledging back then. And it was like, it's spring semester of 07. And I remember, I don't know how my mom caught me. She came home from work because, you know, most of our parents work a lot. So most of the time we have to create by ourselves. Most of us can relate to that. And she came home and turned on this bright light. And I don't know, I had the broomstick and she looked, she was like, come here. I was like, shit. <laughs> She's like, come here. And I looked and she saw, she said, you had to pierce your ears. <laughs> the symbolic hand overhead. You know, I'm like, wow. She's like, that's, I sent you to college and that's what you went to go and do? Hmm. We'll talk tomorrow. No, we did not talk tomorrow because the entire village came down on me. They was like, oh, do you want to be a girl? My I have uncles, aunties call me from everywhere, from Nigeria, from 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 freaking Dalton, Illinois, even I'm in Chicago. I have people come from New York, my older sisters who who knew what was up, but had to play the role because I, I know that I'm an older. I know I know what's up as far as like your mom reports you 
to someone who's like an older cousin that they call your big sister and they know what's up, but then they have to play like they are, you know, talking and, and nagging you, but they're like, yo, yo, you good. Just, you know, why would you do that? <laughs> anyway, so I'm getting all these, these calls and they're like, ah, don't you know that's the devil? <laughs> don't you, how you want to be a girl? So what's the next thing you're going to do? You're going to braid your hair? It's like, oh my God. So I'm getting all, I'm getting uh, like Insult. mentally insulted and abused mentally from like, Family members from all over. You had disgrace. We went to go and send you to school. You are doing this. You are doing that. Is that what you want to do? Aren't you supposed to go and do this? Don't you go and read your book? You say you want to be a doctor. Have you ever seen a doctor where he's asked you? I'm like, wow. My G, this is just biology. It will close up. Like, I'm like, what is going on? Yo, so I know that I felt it. And I couldn't go out with friends. Like, when it came to going out. Mm-mm. Like what time will you come home? Even to this, like even at my age, like when I come to my mom's house, like I, I mean she's a lot, a lot more liberal now because I'm my own, I, mean, I have my own kids. But like still coming back from college and staying at the crib, I never like once I left U of I, I was like I ain't coming back because if I came home, like because the truth is, and I, I know we can all share this. Like you lose your, you don't pay rent, you don't pay rent in your mama's house, but your rent is your independence, right? Like so that's you give up your independence. So it's like. I'm I'm 20. I, I'm used to being out till five in the morning, and you telling me that I gotta come home at ten. <sighs> Say if you don't come to this house, that door is locked. You stand out there. You know this is outside of Chicago. You gotta deal with yourself. I'm like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so I, I can I can relate so much. Um, what was the expectations as far as um, marriage goes? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm talking. Yeah, for, for all of us, specifically our, for for our sisters. Why us specifically? Because you know there are gender roles and gender expectations that are completely different in immigrant households, and I want to talk about that. But marriage is like a key component of that. I would say, to be honest, I have never—I think maybe once—and mm. actually, my sister is like the rebel out of the family. She's tried my parents once, twice, three times. I was always the quiet one in the family because I would always see what would happen to her, and I'm like, "Oh my!" If this is how she's getting punched in the face. She's getting slapped around. I, I can't do it. So um, she was the rebel out of the family, and I saw what happened when she brought just her boyfriend when she came and she went to family college. Mm. You know, she's doing her thing very respectful um man came over you know did did the, did his thing um uh, brought you know bought her flowers my dad's like oh is this sending these flowers at this time who is this and uh, acting all crazy acting all crazy and so to say the least when i saw when she brought her boyfriend uh, over they acted a complete fool mm complete fool and when i say he my dad on the other hand he had a problem with you know everything and i don't understand you know what's going on and uh he he's he's nobody i mean completely dismissing him i don't believe this is a real relationship um so he took it there um Mm -hmm. my dad is is very outspoken my mom's like oh my gosh bring him home and it's just like both of you are not on the same page. I don't understand. Um, so I think that the times shifted once we got into college. Up until now, um, it's funny because literally a few days ago, my mom was trying to hook me up with someone. I mean, she's literally on her phone. She has the aunts um, checking the guys out. I'm like, what do you need my picture for? It's circulating throughout, you know, uh, the African community. I'm mm-hmm. like, how did they get these photos of mm-hmm. me? 
Um, and so in, mm -hmm. in one particular, like literally a week ago, she's just like, I think I found the guy for you, um, you know, and I'm like, I'm not interested. What do you mean? I mean, I got everything off of your list. He has a job. I mean, he has a house in Ghana. I mean, he has this. I mean, what, what, what else do you want? I, I don't understand what mom, there's a lot wrong with that. You know? <laughs> so I just told you I'm not ready, but yet you're still trying to hook me up with all these people. So I think they think I'm going to be miserable uh, for the rest of my life because I don't have anybody as we speak right now. Times have changed. Um, you know, my mom actually got married very young, had all of us, you know, early and all of that, but times have changed where it's not the same. It's not the same. So pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Alejandro, what about you? I mean, for me, it's been, my parents were a little bit more liberal and they saw that I was very, you know, very goal oriented. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I've always just told them, I've, I've been planting the seed. I'm like, I don't think I want to get married, like planting it as I go in conversations. Like, I don't know yet, you know? Um, but I've always felt that pressure from people when I just say like where I am or what's going on with right. my life, like an update, um, anyone that's, you know, back in Honduras, they're like, so what about the boyfriend? I'm like, you didn't even ask how I'm doing. You're asking about the non-existent boyfriend first. <laughs> um, and it's just that kind of pressure because, like you said, you know, that there's generations that got married young and they started their families. And I'm over here like, do I have food tonight? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I can barely keep myself alive. Like, not a family, but um, it's just that pressure. And I've always, I think I found myself in, the, like, being a woman in Hispanic culture, um, they, there's always that you need to care for everyone. You need mm -hmm. to like feed everyone. You need to clean the house for everyone. You need to do that. And that's one of the like tropes that I've been trying to fight a lot more because it's like, no, why can't it be mutual if we're all here? Like, I don't have to, you know, my mom, I love that woman. I don't know how she does it, but my dad goes to work early because he works at a power plant. So he goes to work early and she wakes up at 4.30 in the morning to make him his coffee to have his like lunch for him she like cooks every night and like i could not do that and so that constant pressure of you know having to be that perfect housewife has been the one i've been trying to fight the most mm -hmm. um because it's just a lot of work <laughs> yeah I, I mean in addition to also being the one that has to go to school and get a degree but they still like doesn't it like nullify all the work that you've done academically mm -hmm. because now you still have to have those um domestic skills yep. over your academic or your abilities as a professional um what i mean so but you no one ever had the pressure about like pregnancy and well i need to you need to have kids by this age or nothing like that so you know it's funny like um a few years ago i did a focus group in chicago mm -hmm. with a bunch of like african um second generation women and i still have not written up the results so like anybody who's like listening i'm sorry i'm still working on it um on the project but one of the things I asked them about was like the whole like marriage or romantic career, what I call the romantic career. Like how do they see and negotiate dating and marriage? And a lot of them were like, it, you do not date. You don't hear anything about boys. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear anything about boys until you get married. And so we were all supposed to be like these celibate, like virginal ladies until like we find our like lovely husbands, right? And so the thing is challenging is like, once you finish school, then you can think about boys. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, once you're finished with school, it's like, how, where are the boys, right? Like, 
<laughs> like back in the day, people, women would go to college to get that, their MRS degree, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were mm-hmm. getting told like, oh, you can't think about boys until you graduate. And of course, lots of girls like had boyfriends on the side right. they didn't tell anybody about or like we're dating in college, what have you just kept it hush hush. But like, I remember like many of us talked about how then you graduate and they're like, okay, where's your husband? Where's your Immedi- husband? Immediately. Where is he? Like, you, you have to get married now. You have to have kids. And they're like, wait, I just graduated, you know? So there, there's definitely, like, people are very concerned with, like, our fertility and our, you know, ability to get married, right? And, like, as a woman who is not married and doesn't have a husband, I feel like I'm at this age where my parents are like, I just give up. And I was like, like I <laughs> Yeah. And I think there's also... Uh-huh. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's also, at least in Hispanic culture... The pressure of that, you know, coming with the husband, but also looking impeccable the mm. whole time. Mm. Always having your hair done, always having, you know, you like your ma- and even like before you're gonna walk out of the house like that. Are you sure about that? Like, are you sure about that? You know, it's like, yeah. Um, but just that constant pressure of always like looking the part, it seems like too. Yeah, my mom, she used to get us she used to get on us a lot. Um, from the morning, we had to get up, you know, around 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Um, we had to dress or look accordingly. She fought me tooth and nail. It wasn't until college that I got into makeup, to be honest, and do actually doing my hair. So I think she was really, really happy once I found my college friends and they didn't transformed me to the woman that I am today. Um, so she was so happy that, you know, they fixed me up and all of that stuff. So She's always wanting to make sure that we we stand out. We have that presence about ourselves. Uh, we walk around, you know, um, one minute we're a businesswoman. The next minute we can be able to take care of our man. The next minute you can uh, dress up with a duku on top of your head. You you dress out to the nines with the African attire. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty interesting. Well, I was growing up in the 90s and I was like, I'm going to dress grunge. <laughs> grunge. I'm going to dye my hair blue. <laughs> grunge. I'm going to get a nose ring. <sighs> so my parents, like when I say they gave up, they're just like, whatever, we're done. By the time like, you know, college was done, they're just like, whatever. Because I was just like, yeah, I'm going to wear jeans with holes in them because, oh. you know, cool, <laughs> you know, I'm going to wear like, cool. you know, flannel. They were not happy. They were like, how could you do this? Like, why do you dress like a poor person? Why do you go to a secondhand store to buy clothing? Secondhand? Oh. <laughs> it be so My funny. I still don't understand the holes in the jeans. You're like, yes. why? I, I can understand. do that. Why? I <laughs> train my parents well. Yeah, no. my dad. If, if I ever wore holes in the jeans, he'd be like, oh yeah, dressing like one of those vagabonds uh, out there going to go and do graffiti yeah. on the wall, and I'm like, what? What type so, of fashion? The stereo, the stereotypes that come with this perception that our parents want us to. We, there's this image that our parents mm-hmm. have for us that we have to um, kind of fit, and it, the pressure of fitting that is, is crazy. Um, but for me, as a, as a guy, and the reason I had to kind of you know give. You all, the the, the the sisters, the, the spotlights, because there is the gender roles and expectations. And for me as a dude, like, even though I never got that talk, like, it was just, it was just like, oh, okay, like, well, you know, you would hear from, like, your uncles or something, like, ah, Kelly, like, where's your girls now? Like, where are your peoples? And I'm like, um, you know, just, you know, here and there. Oh, Kelly, I see your Facebook pictures. I see you taking pictures with all those girls. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 Uncle Chill. 
Uncle Chill. First of all, chill. Because why? I don't even know how you got on my page. <laughs> like, I, I blocked you. <laughs> I blocked you. You know what I mean? You got people who have uncles. You know, I have one of my uncles who got in my honesty box. Y'all don't remember y'all remember the honesty Whoa. box on Facebook, bro? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yo, so like, it was just like, oh, God, Kelly, I see you doing. You have to be careful. Make sure you protect. Like, they never really, never had that many expectations. The only thing was, you know, be good in, with your with your grades. Be respectful. Come home. Don't go and do. Don't wear your pants up. Don't sag your pants. Don't look like hip hop. Always like I remember, like even music wise, like my mom was so critical. Like I, I can't. I, I don't even think I've ever played rap around her to this day. Right, like maybe she might hear it on the radio once a little bit, but it's Afrobeat she's okay with now. But like back then, like I think one day I called her and I left a voice message and I was driving. This was like, this had to be when I was in grad school, but I was driving, I was bumping like Lil Wayne or something. And she didn't even like respond to any of the important thing I had to say. She called me back and she was like, Kelly, like, so I, you're supposed to be listening to gospel. You're driving. <laughs> And you're listening to that, that aggression. So rubbish. So rubbish. Rubbish, yes. I'm like, hey, is that what you're listening to when you're driving? Like, you should be listening to gospel. If you want to do something, Kenny Rogers. I'm like, Kenny Rogers? What the? Yo, my... I was sitting there, you know, and and, um, and yeah, I was just like, wow. Like, this is where we're at. I, I can't even... My music, I can never do it. Like... And when I was a kid, like, she kind of supported my my love for music. But I don't know if y'all remember back in the day when we was growing up, you got those little, um, you got those little pamphlets where you got, like, seven CDs for free. If you, oh, yeah. you know about those, or you, like, yeah. would pick your seven. So my mom would get me, I was like, I got, like, DMX Rough Riders. And she didn't know any of those things. And I was like, yeah, give me this, give me this. And she got it. And I was listening to it. I was like, mom, you helped perpetuate this behavior. Like, you didn't know this? And she was like, <laughs> she was like, your fault. I was like, this is your fault. You know what I mean? But, um. So like, I don't know. I know we're kind of we got about a good you know thirty minutes or so. So I want to kind of get to some some more things. But like, how I'm trying to think of the word in in a sense of resilience. What do you think your upbringing has done as far as resilience? And I'll speak first, just since I'm the one that brought this up. I feel like growing up and the person I am now, and even though we can talk about all the funny things, I do think there is some benefit in the sense of. I am a very resilient person because I can take insults. And I don't know how the rest of y'all feel, but I know that there's nothing anyone can tell me that I probably haven't heard from my parents already. Therefore, it's whatever. <laughs> All right. Like, I, I, what about y'all? I would honestly have to say the same. Um, there's nothing that I haven't heard. I will literally sit there and they will tell me something. And I think I've taken criticism much better. Mm. Um, sometimes people may not think I'm listening, but it's like I, I find my own way to listen and take it in because I already know my, my parents are going to go 10 times harder. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part, of course, of everybody trying to embrace your name, too. I think I've embraced my culture, embraced my name even more. I was very... Uh, I wouldn't say timid, but I never said much in college. I was very quiet. Um, no, I'm sorry. In high school, I was very, very um, quiet. But once I got to college and we had the um, African organization, they helped me learn to really embrace the culture, embrace my culture, embrace my name. No, um, it's not pronounced this way. It's this way. Um, so I think it, it took it to a whole nother level. And I think um, once you 
informed people about it, now that's when all of a sudden everyone's all into it. And I think now it's it's kind of funny to me because the same people um, or same, in the same individuals that I really try to lure them in, learn about the culture, learn about the food. And at one moment they're like, no, I don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. And now they're trying to glorify it in a way of, oh, okay, I really want to know more about it. You had access to me for 10 plus years. Damn. It's here. You have a part. You don't have to go out anywhere. Now you can come and ask me all these questions. So it's so funny how now the tables have turned mm-hmm. that now something that is considered a trend, it wasn't a trend back then. You have act full access to me. So I, I kind of find it, um, I, I embrace that. Mm-hmm. I embrace that a lot to the fullest. I had um, a thought of resiliency um, and, and also like a perseverance, that kind of thing. Um, resiliency for me with, with growing up, uh, just from having all that pressure from my parents to do so well in school, with the career with being successful, um, I went through a season in college where I got kicked out of school for having low grades after I pledged and had too much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got kicked out of school. And so in that moment, I had two choices. One choice was to just back away, take the easy road and not really get back into the school. The other choice was to, all right, let's figure out how I can go somewhere else, get some better grades and like get back in the of I and then move forward. Um, and I don't think I would have been the kind of person to get back in the game and keep moving had I not grown up the way I grew up. Because I would have been like, oh, well, I can just go ahead and do econ or you know, no knocking econ from this room, it's been the same in general, or to another program and not go with what I started it, you know? Mm-hmm. So because of how I was groomed to go through adversity, my parents started off poor, then they got higher middle class, went back to poor, and then we kind of middled out in like middle classes for most of my upbringing. Um, and so like I've, saw, I've seen my parents go through so much adversity and I saw how they, every morning they got up, resilient, persevering, happy, joyful. I've never seen my mom really upset about anything. Mm. With my dad, they get up and they're just like, all right, it's gotta happen, it's gotta happen. So when things happen to me now, or even in the past, or in college or not, I'm just like, well, this is life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm used to experiencing this level of pushback in regards to what I want to do. So now I'm just like, all right, well, cool. I got kicked out of school. All right, yo, uh, mom and dad, listen, here's what's going on. How can we solve the problem? Do this, do that. Cool, let's do it. And it's done, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that that level of resiliency is, is, has allowed me to go through a lot of adversity and then also help others around me go through simple, not simple, but other forms of adversity as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what my experience has been with that. That's right. I think the same thing of, you know, I noticed that I'm not afraid of challenges as much as, you know, other people or, you know, I find them intriguing or an opportunity to grow in that growth mindset. But at the same time, I think growing up the way I did really allows me to become more self-aware of the importance of being Mm -hmm. self-aware, if that makes any sense, Mm -hmm. of just understanding, you know, there's that struggle of you never fully Hispanic because you didn't grow up in Honduras. You're never 100% Honduras or you're never 100% American. Mm. And that was something you have to grow. You have to get to that milestone to be okay with that. And I think 
the process to that milestone and understanding that that's okay. You can be 50%, 25% of whatever you want to be, and you get to choose the parts pretty much that you want to move forward with um, was probably one of the most enlightening things, uh, just being able to be okay with being who you are and not who society or where you live dictate instead. When I think about resilience, um, I think about my mother, who's the strongest woman that I know. And um, so just the whole idea of my parents, like leaving behind everything and moving to this country um, and like starting a life here, just really, I find it very inspiring, especially since they like lived through the Biafran Civil War mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. in Nigeria. Yeah. And so thinking about all the things that they've gone through, like is really inspiring for me. But right now I am battling multiple sclerosis and I think that like having parents that are so strong and so like resilient has made it so like, yeah, even though I had this illness and I walk with a cane, it's like, I can still do like anything I want, you know, like I can still conquer the world. It isn't, I don't feel like it holds me back in any way. Um, I just have more challenges, you mm -hmm. know, as far as like doing things. And so, and also like, I think it's inspired me to travel a lot. Um, and so just be like, yeah, I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to do a Fulbright and go to Barcelona for a year and interview African, you know, immigrants there. Bye. See you later. And like, oh, I'm going to go to Rio de Janeiro. I don't know where I'm going to stay, but it'll be all right. I'll find a place. You know? <laughs> and my parents are getting used to this idea of me just like going places. And, like, she'll be okay. She'll be safe. She speaks a language. Mm -hmm. she'll, she, we don't have to worry too much about her. So like, it's at the point now where like, I'm like, I'm going to go to South Korea I'll speak Korean. But I think that they would be more comfortable. Although the whole like having a disability does, you know, put additional challenges. But I think that they they know how resilient I am and I know how resilient I am. Mm -hmm. Marilyn, what about you? Um, I think honest my parents when I hear their stories, to be honest, um how my dad came out here um from Ghana nothing but a suitcase he had was a dream was just to make it out and when you hear a lot of your family members back at home they think that um america is like the dream yeah um so yeah. when i actually went and um uh visited back there a few years ago and to see honestly a lot of the family members poor uh they are poor it makes you really understand and really uh become blessed of what you have that mindset of now feeling like i can conquer and do absolutely anything uh, some of them had no running water we couldn't even survive after two or three days when the, the powers uh went out you know <laughs> uh, what was it uh, a month ago two months ago so i constantly said i'm blessed and if they can do it my parents are very strong so that's where a lot of people are saying where do you get your strength from where do you get your strength from? I'm, I'm looking at the bigger picture, everything that they've gotten, they worked so hard for it. And it showed us that we can also have that dream too. just make that dream a reality. So um, that's where I just get it from, from yeah. both of them. They yeah. started with nothing and they, they have everything in abundance. Yeah. That's, that's real. And um, you know, that resonates with me, especially for someone who's a parent and, you know, having a, uh, you know, a, a baby, but also a young, a young girl that's growing up to a woman. And it's like, and, and also my, the dynamic, as far as what my parents have instilled in me and this resilience and, 
And um, what I try to display to my kids, and it's different, right? Because I find myself having to want to let my kids have their own experiences and not pass on the the, the effects of some traumas that I've dealt with that still have kind of bared some good fruits as far as this resilience. But like, for example, like my daughter, you know, we have a dishwasher at home. And for me, like, <laughs> I'm like, you're the dishwasher. Right, like to me, like I'm thinking, like, Omo, go and wash that plate. Like I, I to me, I wash so much plate that like, I find it therapeutic. Like for me, when I'm washing the dishes with my hands, it's the best. Like because I'm so used to doing it as a kid. Like now, I just okay, I do. And from a for those who are environmentalists, forgive me, but I do get the water running. I leave the water running as I'm washing the dishes. I don't soak it up in one big old bowl. I just so when I'm got the water running and I'm washing the dishes, like it's just like I go into this nice little trance where I'm just therapeutic and relieving so but like my daughter's like oh can we use the dishwasher i'm like no like and my wife is like why can't she use the dishwasher that's what it's here for i'm like no she needs to know how like for me then that's when the accent comes in she needs to know how to do things fundamentally <laughs> like you know and I'm like she needs to know how to do things so in case what if this thing doesn't exist what if this dishwasher is not here what would she do hmm? what would she do and i found myself like my parents are now i'm becoming my parents in certain things in certain ways because of that but the resilience factor not accepting failure right like i <clears throat> i got rejected from grad school a couple times um and certain schools and even how i got into u of i's grad school was more of a testimony to talk another time with but just that idea of like um when in, in between me trying to figure out if i'm gonna get in or not i was like i can't come home empty-handed that was like my mindset. Like I can't come home and say, like I told my mom I was gonna do one thing and then come home and be empty handed. Like I was gonna do whatever I was gonna have to do to make sure I get that goal so that they don't tell me that I'm a disappointment. Right? Like I don't that's like the worst thing that you could hear is say, This is what we sent you to school for and now look at you. Hmm, shame. Like, wow, that that hits. That hits different. That hits different when the shame comes with an accent. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. When the shame comes with an accent, you can't even be like shame. Oh, man. It hits so different. But before, I want to wrap up with us just thinking about things. And I thank you all for taking the time. But one of the things that was brought up, you know, that we have to think about our current contemporary issues. And we see what's going on with the social justice movements, not just here, but even back in Nigeria now in particular, but even in other parts of the world. I mean, there are other things that happen in, in Latin America and in, in, in Asia. I mean, they're, they're, they're social justice movements that people who grew up in immigrant homes, I always wonder, for those who were born here, or spent most of the time growing up here, we deal with a lot of stuff in America, right? And even, yeah, in the spirit of transnational, we can talk about that too, but like, why do the issues that happen in our parents' country matter to us so much? Like, most of us are born in, you know, like, Tayo, you know, you were born in London and you grew up in America, but why does the NSARS issue have anything to do with you? I just want to know. So I think for me, it didn't really, so I hadn't been seeing it for a while and I won't say I didn't care, but I didn't know. I wasn't educated on what this sauce was. I didn't know. I was just like, oh, so something is happening. I'm sure it'll get fixed. That, that was my mindset. Mm -hmm. I asked my cousin, cause he lives there. He was in Lagos. And I was like, yo, what's going on? He told me he had missed out by SARS and he was almost abducted and he almost got killed. And he had friends who had been killed. And I was just like, this is hitting my family. Mm. Then it switched from like, oh, it's just something to like, no, what can be done? It, it was an immediate turn. And I hate that because it's like, I shouldn't care 
even if it's not my family, I should care about just human beings in general. You know what I'm saying? So that was a lesson for me, but that was a switch that made me think something has to be done, but I'm not nowhere near Nigeria. And, and it isn't like I can go tomorrow. Um, so I'm just like, what can I do from afar? And honestly, spreading social awareness kind of feels like nothing, mm. but even how I found out about it and how I became so serious, if you will, was from seeing it so much on social media. So you can imagine if everybody began to post more and more about it, the people who have the finance, the, the finances, the resources, the um, type of powers to do something, if they see it so often, maybe they'll do something, mm. you know? So that's the mentality that I've been able to adopt, I mean, and donate here and there, but there's not much else that I can do. But that's what got me serious is when it began to hit my own actual family. Hmm. Anyone else? Why do social justice issues in our parents' homeland um, still play a major role for us, even though we grew up here in America? In Honduras is not one of the safest places in the world. Um, and it's there's always been like corruption mm -hmm. drugs a constant uh, people getting kidnapped mm -hmm. you know one of the major reasons why my parents moved was because it was just getting so unsafe and you really couldn't live a life anymore without fear of just like survival mm -hmm. um and i think for me it's just i always think about how certain family members you know they did what they had to do to get me where i am today at the same time, it's hard for me not to think about how I'm playing that role for someone down the line as well. And how it's important to just keep that in mind as well. Like whatever, even if I'm not in the country, my actions still are going to, you know, kind of reflect into the future in that sense of whoever's coming here. You know, have I built the connections? Have I built like, have I shown that it's possible? You know, my parents didn't go to college. They just came here and they're like, we're just going to work and see what happens. And mm -hmm the awareness and just as we go, the world is becoming so much more global mm -hmm. and, you know, we're becoming much more connected. Like you said, social media, it's like, I feel like even the, the physical boundaries aren't as present anymore and they're humans and you just start thinking about that. And it's just like, just because of where you are, it shouldn't really matter, you know? And it's a, it's a fight, but do what you gotta do. How many of us are, how many of us have a WhatsApp account? Hmm. <laughs> exactly it's mandatory it's definitely mandatory uh dr chi what about you what are your thoughts i have a whatsapp account and i frequently ignore it <laughs> yes. um, I, I just get so much so many texts about like this medication that will cure you know coronavirus uh -huh. or this you know news story that comes from some random person writing on the internet pretending that it's legit and how it's going to help you look when, you know, earn a million dollars. It's just like, <laughs> ah, time, you know? Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure like what, what the social, the social justice question. I'm sorry. Well, I just think that like, so as an immigration scholar, um, you know, immigrants just have a tendency to be, you know, you use this term transnational, right? That's mm -hmm. the name of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like immigrant, Immigrants always have, like, they're like Janice faced, right? You always have this, face forward, like in the home host society, but always also thinking about the home country. You're never actually ever in one place only, mm -hmm. you know? I think that part of what happens is that we inherit that from our parents, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
from having not only our parents, but a community of other people to think about, to care about, that are not physically present in our host society, but that are also, that are present in our home country, right? So like, right, like just yesterday, my dad was like asking all of us if um, we have cell phones, if we have extra cell phones, why? Because our aunt who's been visiting Nigeria and who's been stuck here because of COVID, mm-hmm. finally able to go back. She's like 80 years old. She's finally able to go back home to Nigeria. And everybody's like, do you have any extra cell phones? It's like, okay, so we're all like looking. We have old cell phones that we're not using anymore so we can give to our family that's back in Nigeria, right? So we have like, we're, we're not, if, if we're not always in contact with our family members back home, because a lot of us are because the technology makes it possible. We're always thinking about them like, oh, like I've got this old shirt and like I've got these old clothes and I could give them to Goodwill or I can hold on to them until December when family members go back home to Nigeria and I can give them to them, right? So we're always thinking about them and like how to make their lives better because, you know, even though our parents got out and we are here, you know, we, we I think in general, we tend to, you know, be nice, kind people who care about the people who got, we're still back home, you know? And Marilyn, what about you? <laughs> um. Yeah, everything, everything that everybody said, um, I can definitely uh, resonate with that. But I think mostly for me, of course, I do have a WhatsApp account that's going off literally every single minute. Um, And I've actually joined a couple of groups in which they kind of keep me also not only my parents, but they also keep me up to speed as to what's going on, because I think what's going through my head, honestly, is what if I go back? Mm -hmm. But if there's something that I can do. Um, how can I be able to make it, you know, the most efficient way to help people? How can I best communicate with people? So I think my biggest thing is, well, what if I go back? I want to be able to make sure that I understand I have all the tools, I have all the res- resources that are needed. And I think it hits home when you have real family members really going through things. Uh, so it just kind of shifts your mindset on on a few things. But yeah. 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 And, and I mean, I guess in, in conclusion, I mean, it's just... The whole idea, as as mentioned by Dr. Dr. Chi, as far as that that transnational, but that preoccupation of what's going on back home, and for me, um, yeah, I, I grew, I spent a, 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 at least the first nine years or eight years, I'll say yeah, seven eight years of my life in Nigeria and coming here in '97. Um, but you know that back and forth. But the family member plays a major role, that influence. Where before WhatsApp, phone cards. Right. You know, you know about phone cards. Scratch <laughs> off. My mom was hustling, selling phone cards. You know what I mean? Like selling phone cards to other people. She'd buy a whole bunch and they'd be like, oh, just call, give them the number. I was helping her, you know, scratch it off for people who would call and they'd get the money later. But using phone cards to call people. Right. And then, you know, taking risks and making those long distance calls. But like we are still very connected. And, you know, that idea, Marilyn, of what if I go back? Because the older we get, the more we start to appreciate the roots and the more unique we start to feel about who we are in our in our multicultural identities. And then we, you know, we think about, okay, what happens when we get back? And, you know, for me, that whole SARS thing plays a major role because that's a huge fear, major fear of mine. And I, I, I understand, I've always kind of had concerns. I have a brother who's there now and I've always wondered, like, okay, you know what? Like, my dad is in the Navy, or he retired in the Navy. If not for my dad being able to, he stay in Nigeria. But if my dad didn't have that Navy pool, what would life be like for me? And I'm like, my, I'm like, my dad's not gonna live forever. So, like, 
at some point as an adult and I want my kids to go, you know, to come back with me and I want to be able to navigate my home country. And if I go to Nigeria and I go and I get stopped by the cops because I, of course, I have, you know, an American profile. I look like an American. I speak my natural accent is my American accent, even I can code switch. But like I look westernized. Right. I look clean. I look sharp. And this what's happening with the SARS is that there's this perception that if you look westernized and that means you shouldn't be able to afford to look westernized so therefore you are a criminal and if you're a criminal that means you're doing yahoo and that means you get shot right so that idea of like if you look like you're american or look like you are you are from abroad um if even if you are then that's just another way for us to extort you but you can't tell them to leave you alone because they're dealing with impunity so it's like that's a huge fear you know of, of mine so to be able to see that is happening um, and people that have lost their lives about you know because of these types of behaviors is is ridiculous. And I'm glad that things and I can talk about this forever, but we we are out of time, and we'll I'll probably do another episode on on this topic in particular. But I think for us, you know, inheriting those, inheriting our culture and being told and conditioned all our throughout our upbringing about who we are and who we really are, right? Like you are this person, but you're truly a Nigerian. Right. So don't. So that means that no matter what, we've been reversely acculturated. We've been acculturated to a land that we some of us didn't have any familiar with familiarity with until we actually turned 20 and got to travel back home with our parents. Right. So, I mean, some of us had the fortune of being able to grow up there and come back and remember things. Right. So, I mean, there's so many things, but I do think that that plays a major role. And I think what we do here is we need to continue to raise those awareness we need to continue to, you know, be able to do what we can to play our part. Use WhatsApp. Use those tools for for good and not just nonsense. Which <laughs> WhatsApp can be a pool of nonsense, but we can able to use those tools to raise awareness for good as well. Because what I've learned as well is when the Black Lives Matter movement is that through WhatsApp, to some degree, my parents, especially those in like the family, in, my family in Nigeria, have learned so much about the Black like plight that they they probably never knew. And all their assumptions about African-Americans kind of have subsided because they realize that this is bigger than just African-Americans being lazy. And now it's not about that, right? Like, it's more than that. So uh, there's a lot more that we can do to continue to raise awareness and, and, you know, but I will digress there. And I would just say that this was fun. And I just want to say thank you all. Um, is there is there a way before we really close it out? Y'all want to leave like an Instagram handle or something that people can follow, follow y'all with? Or if not, that's cool. But I want to give y'all the opportunity to kind of kind of wrap that up. So you can follow me on Instagram at Chief from the Shy. And so if you're in the know, you'll know how to spell that. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Chinyere Usuji. You can follow me at Ms. Mayor Bear CEO on Instagram. Uh, you can catch me uh, on Instagram, Sincerely Tayo. T-A-Y-O is Tayo, Sincerely is spelled as is. And you can follow me on Instagram. Um, that'll be Alejandra with two A's at the start, um, underscore N for Nunez, also on LinkedIn. All right. And y'all can follow me at Black Transnational underscore. Again, thank you all. This was a great conversation. This is the first part of Growing Up Immigrant on behalf of the folks of my Black is Transnational. I'd like to thank you all for taking the time. This has been great. And I wish you all a great rest of y'all day. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. I thank you. It was an honor. It was an honor.